This is it right here. Combining a team of reporters, columnists, and commentators. Don't you ever talk about me! Are you serious? Jack Ebling has brought thought-provoking discussion. What are you doing? That's a damn coaching mistake. Opinion. The customer is the one who decides when the future gets here. Oh, no! The ship is on fire! Let's check the report. Are you kidding me? That game was fixed. And overall infotainment. I'll take Jim Harbaugh. What has he done? Crazy coot coming at you. <laughs> yeah! Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Thanks, big fella. Don't you ever come back here again. No arguments. Those are called ass tunes. So buckle up. You talking to me? Whoa! It's time for The Drive with Jack Ebling. Yeah, for some reason or another... You sound a little taller on radio. Great afternoon, Mid-Michigan and beyond, and welcome to The Drive with Jack. the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer today and all week. Don't know how he drew the short straw. That is Alex Yord. Alex, how are you? Doing good, Jack. How about yourself? How about yourself? How was the ride-in? It was good. It was early, and it was good, but... uh, uh, actually, I had a strip search this morning, which had to be more painful for the guy doing it than it was for me. <laughs> Apparently, uh, some of my deodorant set off some alarms. And uh, they said, well, this guy definitely looks like a terrorist. <laughs> so uh, this was at Metro, and I did make the plane. That was a good thing. But uh, it's one thing about staying up for election results. You don't have to worry about getting up. You're already up. And uh, those are kind of my hours anyway. So now we are here in San Diego. And uh, here in historic National City, not very far from the USS Grant Lincoln, where they will have the Armed Forces Classic. That is uh, Friday, 6.30. That'd be 3.30 here. Michigan State and Gonzaga going at it. I guess I'm the first wave, Alex. Uh, I've got another group coming in very shortly. I think Audrey is in that group on that flight and then some more people coming in tonight and you know they always save the best for last and i think that's going to be our first guest Stephen brooks 24 7 sports spartan tailgate premium site Stephen, uh you know everyone's going to make uh try to get the rooms paved for you everything will be good and then you can come in and make your dramatic entrance excellent that sounds good you know me you know i like to make a make a big scene upon arrival and everything so that works for me um no happy <laughs> to be coming out there uh even you know even if i just had to get parachuted in you know right at tip off and land on the flight deck there that was going to be all right with me so uh yeah i can't wait to see what this is going to be like yeah you're going to really enjoy this event if it's anything like it was on 11 11 11 the first time it was held michigan state and north carolina going at it and one of the highlights was Barack Obama coming by and talking basketball with some people. I think he got some foreign policy advice from Joe Rexrode. They had a long conversation. But uh, looking forward to the game, Michigan State and Northern Arizona the other night. What would you make of that one? Well, I thought uh, Michigan State played with a lot more um, determination, focus, and edge. You know, uh, it was pretty clear, I thought, you know, that they didn't um, – they didn't really put their best foot forward against Grand Valley, like from an energy perspective, from a respecting your opponent perspective. So I thought that was there. You know, I thought there was energy all around. Uh, Malik Hall, especially early, I thought was all over the place. And you know, just, just everybody, uh, I thought, contributed to it. Tyson Walker on the defensive end was doing a lot of things all night. 
uh, he was aggressive offensively again. Didn't hit as many shots, but aggressive yeah. there. And then, you know, uh, like I said, was was very active on defense. Joey Hauser puts up 18. And, you know, if, if that's the Joey Hauser they're, they're going to get for 30 games or, shoot, even 22 games, 20 games, I mean, th- this might be a uh, – this could be a more dangerous team than I thought initially. You know, I kind of thought second tier, that Big Ten maybe, whatever that looks like, however big that is. You know, yeah. places third through fifth maybe kind of feels like that sweet spot for them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that just, it was, you didn't want to see another, like, sleepy, you know, uh, walkthrough type performance for sure. And then uh, elsewhere, you know, I think it's going to be the continued um, – you know, development of the freshmen and just, uh, you know, like a, like a Malik Hall in a new role or a Tyson Walker in sort of a new role and Aikens coming back. But, like, their knowns uh, kind of showed up and did their thing. Um, but then, you know, if you got the center position, you got the freshmen, and those, those are just going to be things that we're not going to learn in one day like that, especially against a, a team like Northern Arizona. Uh, just nine turnovers, and uh, that had to be good news for Tom Izzo. That had been a problem for so many recent seasons, but – one thing I think that was concerning, and I think Michigan State has a tendency to pass the ball around the perimeter until late in the shot clock. They don't usually have a lot of one-on-one players, and that was reflected in the fact that they only attempted eight free throws. And uh, Tom said after the game that he wants 20 a game. You're not going to get 20 free throws if you just keep passing the ball around the perimeter looking for threes. Right, right. And I think that speaks to, you know, Mari Sissoko playing the minutes he is in there, you know, like he he's just not a guy they're going to dump it down into and look for offense there. You know, when Jackson Kohler's in there, it's a different deal. And, and almost, you know, he, so he had a couple moments. Uh, I know a lot of folks didn't see the game. Um, he got double teamed uh, at least his first two, but I want to say pretty much every post touch that he yeah. got, he was getting a double team sent his way immediately. So that's, that was interesting one. Uh, and then there was the second time I think he did not handle it particularly well, tried to sort of step through it and shoot over right. two guys. Um, and Izzo got on him about that, you know. But so, so that explains that, though. I mean, they're not going to be playing a lot of uh, inside, you know, pounded inside type of ball, um, especially yeah. also when uh, when Hogard was out for 11 minutes. You know, he's a guy who can get in there and mix it up and ping pong off guys a little bit. You know, could be a physical driver slasher guy. Um, so he sat for 11 minutes, and like I said, you know, with Kohler only in there for part of the time. When I, it does kind of make sense. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot that we still got to figure out about this team. You know, I mean. They look good in several specs the other night, but that's a, that's a low major opponent. Now you, you swing all the way to the other end of the spectrum, of course. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're ready for a top five opponent. You know, you probably ideally <laughs> would be seeing like a, a 40 to 60 ranked, you know, sort of Ken Palm-ish type of team. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's, it is what, you know, that's, they knew what they were getting into here. So I'm curious to see, like, I mean, how do – how does A.J. Hogard look, you know, on the floor against a team like that or Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins? And can Joey Hauser be a, you know, a big-time difference maker like he looked like the other night, you know, against better, right. better competition as somebody with his experience level? So uh, I want to see what everybody looks like. You know, can the freshmen hang in there at this level of competition? And I think there's a lot we're going to learn over the next, you know, two, three weeks here. Joey Hauser was really the reason that Michigan State got past Davidson. Uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. would have lost that game in the opening round. That was maybe as good a game as he's played at Michigan State. And he's going to have to play pretty well offensively, I think, at least early while they're trying to figure this thing out. But I think you're going to see a small lineup quite a bit. And uh, A.J. Hogard can do some things. He didn't score particularly well the other night. 
And Tyson Walker isn't going to miss as many open shots as he did. He's such a good shooter. Shot near 48% from deep last year, and he couldn't throw it in the ocean from the boat Monday night. But I think there are two ways to get to the line, Stephen. One of them is to have an established post threat. Those guys are hard to find. Michigan State's had Zach Randolph and Paul Davis, Nick Ward was certainly that kind of player. And around the Big Ten, we've seen a number of those players. Seems like Purdue has one or more every year. But the more common way now to do this is to drive, drive, drive. Take your man to the basket, one-on-one basketball, which Michigan State does not normally do. And this game has become drive and dish uh, to a large degree. You watch the top teams. You watch the teams that are in the Sweet 16. They're constantly taking the ball to the basket. Right. And that's just, yeah, there's basketball everywhere now. I mean, threes and layups or dunks, you know what I'm saying? Layups, dumps, and threes, you know? Uh, that's that's kind of yeah. what everything is. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Jay Nakins can be that guy. I mean, he's, I don't expect to see the best of him, you know, until December, to be quite honest, probably. You know, will he, yeah. will he emerge and have a nice four-minute stretch, you know, where he scores, you know, six to eight points or something, has a steal or a block? Or, you know, yeah, of course, he could spring up and have, but... I just don't think he'll be what you can expect him every night and sort of, re, you know, establish a baseline until about December, um, you know, uh, uh, around that time is what I would guess. Um, so, After yeah. In well, against Grand Valley State, we asked Tom Izzo about Jaden Aiken's availability, and he said, hey, he didn't know. We might have him back for the carrier. I don't think anyone thought he was going to come out and play as much as he did in the opener, but that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He said he, uh, you know, so Izzo put out sort of the criteria is that he wants to see three, three consecutive days of practice, you know, and, and basically, you know, a near full or near full uh, participation. And so right at the buzzer there, he sort of got it with Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and, and cleared that bar and, uh, and made it back. He said, you know, I was talking to him in the locker room afterward. He said after each of those days, like it wasn't anything that he couldn't handle, you know, there wasn't any like increasing soreness with each day that he, that he put it on. And, uh, and uh, went after it in practice and everything. So he was pretty confident. He just said, you know, he's a little tired. You know, your wind isn't all the way there. But and he also said, you know, it's, he knows it's going to be a process. You know, to to get all the way back. And that's something he's said. Is just trying to not not make Jaden think he has to rush it all back and be the player. You know, that he was in, in June and July and all that. You know, right away. Um, because you know, by all accounts, he was he was on his way uh, to having a really big. You know, he he had a really big off season apparently, and was on his way to you know parlaying that into a nice fall. So. Uh, yeah, good to see him, I think. Uh, but still, I, I would guess his best is a while away. Um, and so, you know, Pierre Brooks had a nice night the other night. Maybe that creates yeah. some opportunity for him to sort of find his way a little bit and, and find his parole in this team. And, uh, and uh, like you said, more of Tyson Walker being an offensive threat. And it, it also uh, definitely means more Trey Holloman, I think, in the interim. I don't know if that will always be the case. Maybe it will be. Um, absolutely could be. But I think, you know, as long as Jaden's a little bit limited – uh, they'll probably, you know, because the, the trickle down there is Tyson's playing more at the two, and then he's not playing as much of the one. So then you've got to have Trey come off the bench and, and take, a, you know, give AJ a breather at the point. So and I think Trey's been look. I think he's looked, um, yeah, you know, like comfortable, right? I mean, there's yeah. just sort of a comfortable and a competence to it. Nothing over the top, nothing flashy. It's nothing like, whoa, you know, your jaw's not dropping, but it's just like a, you're sort of nodding along, like, yeah, okay, he gets it. Like, he's in the right spots, he's doing the right things, playing with the right pace. Like, he just sort of yeah. fits out there, you know? So that's, I think that's been pretty promising so far. 
Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people, uh, their jaws dropped when I made the reference uh, with Trey Alleman and Cassius Winston. And I didn't just say that because they both wear a headband and they wear a number five. But if you think about Cassius, most people think of him as a player of the year, All-American guy. When he came in as a freshman, he wasn't ready to play. He wound up splitting time with Tom Tom Nairn, and you can argue whether or not he should have played more. Nonetheless, he was such a major liability on defense. And I think Trey Holloman is going to be an immediate plus on defense. He's tougher. He's a little more physical. He's been a football player, excellent football player. And uh, I think he's maybe an inch taller than Cassius was. And I don't think his shot is going to require the fixing that Cassius has did. Michigan State's had a number of players, Stephen, over the years who came in, and I wouldn't say they had broken shots, but they didn't have highly repeatable shots or something that was wrong with them. And over time, they fixed it. And Cassius left with a, a tremendous uh, jump shot. But uh, I think Trey's shot is closer to where Cassius's was maybe going into his junior year. So, so I think if Michigan State had to play Trey Holloman, it wouldn't be a major problem. And one of the things that a lot of people always want to know, Stephen, everybody asks, well, who's the go-to guy? Who's the best player? Uh, this is a little different kind of team that way because I think you might have five, six, seven guys through the course of the season who lead them in scoring. It's not going to be the same guy every night. Right, and that was, you know, that's we talked about that all year last year, right? Like being a starlit yep. team, but, you know, at least I know uh, you're going to make fun of me, but, like, I've always, you know, I would always say go to Max. Max would be the guy. Give the ball to Chris. He make, he's the last shot guy. And it's like mm-hmm. I still thought, uh, you know, he was on a different talent level, I thought, than, than the rest yeah. of those guys. This time, like, it truly will be, like, hot hand, I think. Because, like, you've got, a, you've got options, of course, with Hall, Hogard, right. Hauser, uh, Tyson Walker, you know, maybe Jade Nakins as well. Like, you have options, but I don't think any of them are like the different, you know, are, are the talent differential between them, you know, at their respective roles and everything, I don't think is, is massive, if you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, I always thought Christie had that other level to him where I was like, okay, in a tight moment, maybe he can rise above and tap into, you know, that, that elite, uh, right. you know, sort of potential of his. I, I don't think these, I think these guys are all closer to the same level where, you truly do have to gauge it situation by situation. You know, I mean, I, I, like I said, if Hauser can repeat what he did the other night, there's just a there's such a looseness to him now. It's like he's been, you know, wiped down in WD40. He just he's looser. He's playing free. There's a, a I don't want careless. Obviously, has a negative reputation. But carefree, I guess, as I would say. You know, mm-hmm. he, he just he seems like he's playing um, so much lighter out there. You know, yeah. Uh, and so that's if he can. If he can play with that same aggression and just sort of um, freeness, you know, freedom uh, yeah. throughout the rest of the year, and I mean, he might end up as their leading scorer. He might end up as their best player. I mean, he he did some really good things for them. Uh, ditto from Malik Hall. Like if he can keep that energy up and, and play as aggressive as he did in parts of that game and as efficiently as he did and whatnot, he could be in that category and, and could uh, really emerge as a guy that that's key for them. You know, they kind of need that, right? I don't know. I'm curious to see how the how the progression goes with him as a, as a wing player, you know, when he really gets into the season, you're really chasing around, you know, some smaller, quicker dudes all the time. I just, I, we'll have to see how that works, I think. But uh, him and Joey can obviously play together at a, at a four-five combo uh, and bump them down off the wing. Mm-hmm. There's options there uh, for sure. And, and like I said, I mean, this is, it's it's like I said all preseason. Like they got enough old 
veteran guys who've played a lot of college basketball that if those that if they all just click and just play, you know, to their peak kind of, then then this suddenly becomes a pretty dangerous team just because not a lot of teams have as much uh, experienced talent, I think, as they do. So, um, you know, and then then there's some X factors like an Aikens or just how the young guys fit in or what they can give them and whatnot. Obviously, the center position is is, is still an unknown, but um, their core is, is is experienced and played a lot of college basketball and. and you know, um, I remember I used to cover Notre Dame for a little bit. Mike Bray's favorite saying was, get old, stay old. You know, and they're pretty old right now, you know, at least in their core. And uh, like I said, yeah. that can take you places. A couple of points about uh, what you said there. I, I, I agree with you that when Joey is playing free and when he's playing and not thinking, he's a different player. And uh, he looks like that now. He just looks like he's relaxed and just kind of letting it go. And I thought that Mati Sissoko, uh, who had low expectations coming in, and I think a lot of people thought that he would be the weak link between the Grand Valley exhibition and the game the other night. He hadn't missed a shot yet. And I think he's shown an ability to rebound the position. Uh, by no means is he a, a solid post threat, but you're not going to get everything from a guy like that. And Jackson Kohler doesn't care. He said, you know what? Uh, I can't wait uh, to play Drew Timmy. I can't wait to play Oscar Shibway. Uh, it was Tum Tum Nairn who coined the phrase, uh, you don't got to play somebody, you get to play somebody. And uh, that's kind of the way Jackson is. He's been counting down the days until he gets these guys. Maybe it's uh, be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. But he's not going to find two better players at that position, maybe, he won't find two better players in the country than he's going to go up against the next two games. Very possible. And when you talk about Mati, you know, I think so far so good. It's, I think uh, everybody's you know probably right to just sort of keep preserving judgment, but you know, give him credit where credit's due. But in terms of rendering any long-term opinions on, on how that's going to play out, you know, we, we, we need way more data, I think. But as you know, so far so good. Uh, how about this first personal foul, only personal foul, three and a half minutes into the uh, into the second <laughs> half. So when yeah, the first half is completely without fouling once, I mean, that's that's what they yeah. need, right? I mean, everything else is like, yeah. if you can just stay on the floor, they think they got something there, and then he can provide enough, and, and you can compliment him, and, and, you know, and all that. So uh, good good deal there. Jackson, yeah, I just, uh, no doubt, you know, I mean, Timmy kind of is like, I think in some ways it'll be like looking toward the future because Timmy has a lot of those same, like, old-school 80s, yeah. 90s post moves, you yeah. know, set that yeah. Kohler is so proficient at, and, not saying they're the exact same player, but but he has a deep, you know, well of tricks in his bag, and just like Jackson has. So, in that respect, um, and then Kohler, I don't think is he's not he's just a touch not as maybe not as long as I uh, imagined him initially. So defensively, you know, he he tries hard, he plays hard, and he's into yeah. it, and he's attentive and everything. Um, so I, I think he's a pretty smart player, but I just physically, I I'm, I'm wondering, you know, against like the real Giants, uh, how that'll work. Um, and he took a three-pointer. You know, no, it didn't go down, but Tom Izzo didn't seem to mind that. And uh, I've seen bigs come in here, and it took him four years to get the right to shoot that shot. It took Adrian Payne until his senior year. But for a lot of guys, uh, that, that's something that is earned. Jackson seems to already have that that light to go ahead and shoot it. But as you mentioned, uh, he did get some coaching the other night in one of the timeouts to the point that Tom Izzo didn't talk to any of the other players during that timeout. And afterward, uh, in the locker room, I said to 
to Jack, say, hey, you got coached. He said, yeah, did I ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Izzo said something after the game about uh, when he came in, he just, every time he got the ball, he wanted to shoot it, wanted to score. And, then, yeah. like, and like, that makes sense. Like, that's his game, though. It's like, you know, you feed yeah. him down low, and, he, and he's a scorer, like, for you. And everything else is going to have to come around and be worked on. There might be some rough edges. But that is his game, is being a, is being a low close scorer. And it's like, it's a style you just don't see a lot, you know. So I think that that's part of why it's so effective. Obviously, he's skilled and technical and everything, but it's it's just that that back to the basket and the and the moves, the counter moves, you know. I mean, a lot of people just don't see that stuff anymore. It's like, uh, you know, it's almost like coming out in triple option or something. It's like, whoa, where's where this come from? You know, we, we haven't seen this all season. Um, such type of you know, this stylistic difference like that. So. He's going to be a fascinating. You know, it's just, that whole deal is going to be fascinating. How much does Joey play yeah. there? You know, if he really emerges, can you do you want him play him there? You know, and, and beat him down or have him you know, risk him in foul trouble or just take away the looks offensively he might get if he becomes you know sort of one of the lead dogs. Like there's lots of questions there, and I, I still think Carson Cooper is going to be a, a good player down the line. Um, he's, we'll, we'll have to see what his role ends up looking like, um, but I think he's going to end up being one of those. Uh, one of those pickups a couple of years from now, you know, we're on signing day here. I think it's, we'll look back and say, man, that was, that was a really smart, smart grab, smart identification and everything by this staff. Steven, I think the perception of success from fans and from really the media around the nation depends on expectation. And uh, Michigan State has had some high expectations, fallen short, has had some lower expectations, maybe overachieved in some people's minds. And uh, the bar here is so high with the 10 regular season titles, one short of Bob Knight's record. Bob Knight and uh, Ward Piggy Lambert have 11. So Tom is one away from the Big Ten record. And then he's got the six uh, Big Ten tournament titles and the eight Final Fours. So people expect Michigan State basketball to be good. And the fact that uh, they're not ranked, and uh, they're not considered to be uh, a, a Sweet 16 contender even, uh, you know, takes people back a little bit. But I was looking at the other teams in the league, and I'm not saying Michigan State's going to run away with this. I'm not even going to say I would pick them to win it. But I look at the departures from the other teams, and almost every other team has had a major loss, some of them many major losses. You don't get Keegan Murray's at Iowa very often. Johnny Davis was the Big Ten player of the year. Uh, Michigan lost two guys uh, to the NBA draft. Uh, Purdue, you, know, you lose uh, Jaden Ivey and uh, so uh, Trevion Williams. You get guys who are gone. Even Illinois loses Kofi Coburn, and he, he did show up at their, their first game, but he's signed to play in Japan for some unknown reason for a lot less money than he would have made with name, image, and likeness in Champaign. But I look at Michigan State's team from last year, and I don't see any major losses. I know that we've, we've argued before about Max Christie, and Max, no question, has an NBA skill set. But the second half of the year, from February on, I thought he really hurt the team. And anytime you have a guy who is a shooting guard, and he shoots less than 33%, and uh, less than 25% from deep, then every time he shoots the ball, it's a minus. And uh, I didn't feel like his head was in it, that he really wanted to be here late in that season, and I don't think Michigan State's going to miss him one bit. 
maybe not. Probably not. I mean, you you can make up for uh, you know if Jaden Aikens takes those steps that everybody wants and hopes that he can. If Pierre Brooks can do a little bit of the same thing too, and I mean the guy yeah. made four threes the other night. If he can be a consistent uh, deep threat for you there, then 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 he's going to have a role. He's going to play a lot of minutes and. And, uh, you know, like I said, I have an important role in this team. Tyson Walker, hopefully you hope you're going to tap into his yeah. scoring potential more. Um, and AJ, you know, I think we'll, we'll pick up, you know, quite a few points, uh, you know, off his, off his plate and everything. So you can make up for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm no no arguments for me about the Big Ten. I've been saying it all year, all the preseason. It's up for grabs. It's why you can't totally write this Michigan State team off, even though I do have a lot of questions. But, yeah, it wouldn't knock me off my chair if by the end of this there are you know they're going uh, you know mid February right at the top of the chart there trying to hold on or yeah. trying to you know make a late push because because of the, what I just said that core of veteran guys you can win yeah. a lot yeah. in college basketball with some experience and some you know some, they're not bums they got they got talent but they're old they're experienced they've been through some stuff they've all been around this program now like you can you can you can go places with that um, even if you have a major weakness here or a handful of you know minor weaknesses. Uh, here or there and whatever, so wouldn't wouldn't shock me. I just need more data before I really believe in them. And I got to see some of these other guys. I mean, I, I got to see these new pieces at Illinois uh, more. You know, uh, what is what fills out around Hunter Dickinson at Michigan? Does Indiana look scary or threatening at all with with them sort of being the de facto favorite? Um, Iowa honestly is a team with uh, Chris Murray. You know, and and what they yeah. have coming back. Then. I'm, I'm a little curious about them as maybe a dark horse. That that might not be a bad bet uh, for the gamblers out there. How surprised would you be if, when it gets into the heart of the Big Ten season, a critical game, that Michigan State did not rely heavily on what most people would consider to be a three-guard set, uh, going small with A.J. Hogard, Tyson Walker, and Jade Nakins in the game more often than not? I think that's pretty likely. You know, I mean, that's... Uh... I think it's very likely. I mean, that's that's their – they could start that way. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have to see. Uh, I guess I don't know. They'll probably still stay with Malik and then Hauser and then a true five there. But it'll be dependent, on, I guess, on the center play, right? If they want to sort of uh, patch that up and hide that a little bit, then, yeah, you could keep going smaller. And, as I said, get away with uh, Malik at the four and Joey at the five and play that way. That might be their best lineup. Probably is, you know, in terms of just maximizing your talent on the floor. That probably is your best five. Maybe that could be like your closing five. Um, interested yeah. to see. Yeah, that, I, I wouldn't doubt it uh, at all. Though, that that's a big part of it. And then, you know, you can go super, super small with uh, Pierre Brooks at the four. You know, they, right. I, know, I know they've talked about that a little bit. And then, you know, probably Joey at the five would be the smallest you'd want to go there. Maybe you could bump Malik down and, and go, you know, teeny, mini small. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they have options. It's just about, I think uh, – you know, quite frankly, Izzo's willingness to sort of roll with it, right? And he, he has, yeah. I think he said the right things this offseason about, you know, playing and worrying more about what strengths Michigan State can exploit versus what weaknesses others can exploit against them. And I think that speaks to, to playing small and, and, you know, maybe being in attack mode a little more, trying to outscore people a little more maybe than trying to just, you know, put them in a headlock all the time. So uh, maybe it'll, a little bit of it might come down to, you know, Izzo's tolerance for sort of playing that style. Stephen, uh, Tom Izzo has been known to play grueling schedules uh, before the Big Ten games start, and uh, this might be his most ambitious yet. I saw Graham Couch go through game by game, and uh, he's really drinking the Kool-Aid. He's got Michigan State, I think, 24 and 11 uh, going to the Sweet 16, and 
uh, beating Gonzaga. Uh, he also has him losing to Oakland, I believe. But uh, I think he was kind of joking. He said, yeah, Rocket Watts is going to come back and score 40 in that game. But uh, what would you think would be an acceptable pre-conference record with this, with Gonzaga and Kentucky? And then you've got Villanova, an uh, uh, excellent Notre Dame team. And then in the PK-85, you're starting off with Alabama, one of the most athletic teams in the country. And then if you do well there, hey, you run into number one North Carolina. Yeah, so the, the whole non-conference, or are you talking about just this month? The, those games, I mean, would you expect them to be shut out, to well, win one, to win two? to hold I think they can give Villanova. You know, the new coach there, I don't think Villanova's, you know, the, you know, I don't think they're stacked with with great veteran talent, you know, like those great teams or anything. I think they can get them. Uh, Gonzaga, it's, man, that's going to be hard. I, I guess I give them a puncher's chance there just because the, mm-hmm. the elements could be, you know, just the, the, the elements, quote-unquote, you know, air quotes there. But, like, right. just the oddity of the aircraft carrier, the different routine, the visuals, the energy, you know, every maybe uh, Gonzaga just shows up and plays awful, you know, they're distracted or whatever. Uh, maybe they, they, you know, maybe something weird happens there, and they play them, and that, that goes uh, their way, I guess. Maybe, you know, I wouldn't say they're a better team than them at this stage, obviously, <laughs> but maybe that can equalize things. Kentucky, I don't give them a good shot. Villanova, I do, especially being at home. Um, I think they get that one. I think they probably get one at least in the field night. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about Alabama, the first one. Maybe. I mean, I haven't seen enough of them, I guess, to know. And Notre Dame, I don't think is is super. Um, it's definitely not an intimidating road environment necessarily. Uh, I guess right. I got to do a little more research on the roster. I think they're pretty seasoned this year, but I don't know if I'm super uh, overwhelmed by that either. It's, it's really those early okay. ones that I think are the trickiest. You bring Rocket Watts, so just as an aside, how about Tyson Walker? You know, guarding him all night and what that looks like. <laughs> it could be a fun. That could yeah, be a fun battle. That would be fun to see. Tom Izzo today uh, releasing a video and his reaction. Two, the incoming class, it's been ranked two, three. I think uh, 24-7 had Michigan State third in the country. Uh, the highest I've seen them, or the lowest, I guess, would be five. So a top five class uh, consensus in everyone's opinion, and, and as high as two. Uh, what do you make of this class, and who are you most anxious to see? Yeah, the way I've always put it with this class is I think it just is I love the way the pieces complement each other. You know, it all fits together in a nice little package, I think. If you had a checklist of all the traits you want in a basketball player, you, between the four of them, all those boxes are checked. Now, I'm not saying any, any one of them is the perfect player or the whole package or anything, but, like, just all the traits, if you list them all out, somebody can raise their hand and say, got it, you know? And then I really like that about it. Um, positional versatility and everything, they, you know, it just – it all fits together. They could go, you just go, you, they could pick me up on the street, and boom, we could go run a five-man <laughs> game, and, and we'd all be all right. Everyone would have their roles uh, for the most part if I if I don't weigh us down too much. So I like that a lot. Um, I think they're all, it seems like they're a really close class, uh, which is which has been pretty cool to observe, and from what I've been able to, to gather and everything, you know, different yeah, parts yeah. of the country and everything, and some of them came together kind of quickly and some not and everything. So that's been cool. I think they're all sort of culture-fit guys. Uh, to a, to a high level from what I understand. But uh, probably give me in terms of who I'm most excited to see. It, for me, it's, it's Colin Carr. It's the guy I'm really interested in. Yeah. Anytime you've got that freaky bounciness, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm buying a ticket. I'm in. I want to see, uh, you know, what type of just 
you take that every time for me, you know, my preferences, my styles and everything. Like I I love the injection of athleticism as a a pogo stick guy like that. And then you just let him develop everything else off of that because you can't coach that stuff. So bring him in, throw him alley-oops, then dunk on some people. And then, you know, hope in two or three years he's got some more uh, meat on the bones, like in terms of his game. Um, And then Xavier Booker, I think is interesting because he's a number one player, you know, in many respects, five-star big man. uh, But, you know, he's not the, uh, he's, I'm sure Izzo would say the same thing, and you know, I think that's kind of the consensus. Is like he's he's not just ready-made, just add water and and boom, you've got a one-and-done, you know, top-five lottery pick type of guy. Like, I think he's a little more of a definitely got that upside. You know, has that potential to be that player one day. But I don't think he's a guy like an Anthony Davis is going to come right in and make a major, major, you know, National Player of the Year, All-American type of impact. He's going to come in and play, and, and I'm sure do some good things, but. I don't think he's this ready-made star like we've seen so many, you know, guys with that five-star, top-five ranking type of pedigree. I think that this has the potential to be a very complimentary class. I try to avoid that word now because it's Mel Tucker's word. But uh, when you think about what these guys could do together, uh, they are close. They've known each other for a while. Jeremy Fears is uh, the ringleader, and – I think that any team that he runs is going to be better for it. Uh, Alex, you heard Stephen talk about uh, those four guys and and, uh, and him. Have you put a team out there with uh, Michigan State's four recruits and Stephen Brooks? Would they win some games? Uh, I'd have to imagine so. I mean, who who are they playing against? I mean, that's the biggest question. Right. That's the key question. <laughs> if they're playing against uh, another group of four recruits and Graham Couch. <laughs> uh well if it's a random group of recruits yeah i'll take uh, i'll take ours and uh Stephen brooks for sure <laughs> let's go all right uh we'll be back in just a minute and we have lots and lots of football to talk about including what happened in champaign illinois and also michigan state's challenge at home saturday against rutgers looking forward to that game they finally get a noon game Stephen when uh, we're taking the red eye back. So uh, looking yeah, forward to that. Love that I out. <laughs> yeah, so that will be uh, Saturday in Spartan Stadium at noon. And we also want to talk a little bit about some news with the investigation, maybe. And we also want to talk some recruiting and a potential for a real eye popper. Uh, no guarantees, but uh, there's a lot of buzz. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you, right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small-town thing, but it's big-time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two-for-38-dollar tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. 
If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, they have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers, four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Metawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Eblin here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack. It's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall. Or Spartan fans shop. You're, you're listening, listening to, to the, the Drive, Drive with, with Jack, Jack Evans. Sorry if you're offended by that. SpotlightMediaStudios.com. Spotlight 
Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. All of our Wednesday shows brought to you by Graf of Okemos. That is Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. Side by side on West Grand River, 108 years in the automobile business. If you hear a little ambient noise in the background, I am in San Diego and getting ready for the Armed Forces Classic. I'm going to be joined tomorrow by Stephen Brooks, 24-7 Sports Spartan Tailgate Premium Site. And Stephen is with us now back in Lansing. Stephen, first of all, you were in Champaign. I was not. How surprised were you by that? Spartans, uh, 16-point dogs, 17 in some books. After what had happened to them for most of the season, after the first two games, with the exception of the win over Wisconsin, I don't think anyone saw that one coming. No, definitely not me. I mean, I was. Uh, there were levels to my, to my expectations, and just you know, and the continually they went downhill. So I parked my car. I was a little early. I couldn't get my credential yet, so I'm sitting in there, and it's just, the wind is just rocking my car. I'm just sitting there, kind of surfing. You know, in the parking lot, uh, these gusts were, were for real. It was legitimately, uh, it was it was pretty bad down there. I mean, it was not not, not dangerous necessarily, but it was those those gusts were for real. So I was like, oh man, they're not going to be able to throw this thing today, you know. And, and they have no run game to lean on. This is not going to be good. And then they get into the game and first play, they drop back and try to throw it, and then it just sort of floats up there and Peyton Thorne's picked <laughs> off. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is not going to go well. So that was sort of level yeah. two, and then level three was. Uh, when they when uh, Isaiah Williams you know catches that short pass and runs you know zigs and zags through the defense there and yeah. it didn't look like there was the utmost effort you know maybe by by everybody in the back seven to to go tackle him so I was like oh gosh they're there's they're they're sort of you know they're mentally down here they're worn down you know they're checked out I was like this isn't going to be ugly this is going to be ugly uh, but I was dead wrong you know they quickly changed that around um, it was a competitive game pretty much all the way through. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Illinois could have, uh, you know, they made a couple of attempts to to make a push at the end there, and then easily could have still won it. But uh, you tip your cap to Michigan State. I mean, I thought that was, you know, that was uh, the character, you know, revealing of the character that they want to be known yeah. for. Right, a week before, you have the the ugly images and the video, and, and everybody thinks that's what this program's about. And the very next time out, you know, Mel Tucker and these players come out and say, no, 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 like this is what we're about. You know, down eight players doesn't matter. You know, we're going to circle the wagons internally. And everybody you talk to, you know, they say, oh, we knew we were going to go down there and win. Or we were very confident we could go down there and yeah. play a good game. And, you know, I know that's easy to say afterward, but you don't play the way as they did, you know, if you if you didn't have any belief, especially, again, the way that the start went down there. It would have been easy to just pack it up at that moment. So I thought that was a pretty strong rebuttal to, you know, the, all the perception of, oh, gosh, this is, you know, the Michigan Tunnel, people trying to paint this image of the Michigan right, State right. program, they, and they come right out and uh, down eight guys, you know, and pull off a, a big upset like that um, to sort of, get, you know, get some juice back to this last stretch of the season. I thought that was sort of their counterpoint, like, no, 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 this is our program, guys. This is our culture and our character coming yeah, through. And yeah. it, was, it, was, it was the first one, really. I mean, maybe you could say Wisconsin, but this one felt a lot like a 2021 win, you know, the way they were able to play to the buzzer yeah, there yeah. and eke it out. Mel Tucker still – unbeaten in close games in one score games at Michigan state uh, games. They've lost. They, they really lost them, but uh, you know, that's nine games now or 10 games. I believe now that they have won that have been down to the wire. They have won every single one of them the last three years. 
And I think you're right. When you looked at the weather conditions, you said, well, that's not going to favor a team that can't run the ball. Michigan State now has um, 236 carries, planned runs this year, Stephen, 236. 130 of them have been for three yards or less going back to minus eight. So that is 55%, a little better than 55% of their planned rushes have been negative plays, which you would consider to be maybe not losses, but not what you want to stay ahead of the sticks. You need four yards per carry to do that. And uh, Michigan State has not been able to do it. And then when they throw the pick, the interception right away, and then they give up that touchdown. I don't know anyone outside uh, the Scandalaris Center who would have said, okay, well, yeah, it's no big deal. Uh, we're just going to score the next 23 points. Right. Right, and you talk about the run game. I mean, credit where credit's due. I've said, you know, uh, I've uh, I've been pretty hard on the offensive line, and I, you know, just being my honest evaluation. But I thought they played maybe their best game of the season. You know, yeah. one of for sure. Uh, Brandon Baldwin. I know you were happy to see he stepped in there, and then I thought played yeah. pretty well. You know, he looked like a starter. Looked like he belonged. He never stood out the uh, the wrong way. Like, oh man, they got to have right. him out there. They got to get a tight end there. That guy's in over his head. No, he he looked competent and comfortable out there. I'm not saying it was a was a star or anything, but he, he fit right in and, and did the job. And so I thought, yeah, I think he showed start. a lot of maturity out there, maybe more than you would expect with the guy, you know, started the opener and then you hadn't seen him again. And then he comes out there and acquitted himself pretty well. Also, I thought a couple of offensive linemen guards who we had not seen and forced into duty. Uh, Gino Vandemark had some good plays out there. And yeah. Kevin Wigginson came in for one play and made a tremendous block. That's a sprung guy for 24 yards. So uh, I thought that the running game, and I have to say that uh, Jalen Berger, who I've been pretty hard on, uh, played as well as I've seen him play, and that includes his games where he had 100 yards against lesser opponents. This was a team that was number one ranked in the nation. I know they haven't played Murderer's Row, but number one in the nation in scoring yield, and this defense was top ten in almost every category and Michigan State did enough to win and it helped it always helps Stephen when your defense stops five out of six fourth down plays yep absolutely got another turnover the fourth downs um you know and it's it's weird to say because I, I know the, the defense has been getting a ton of praise and, and everyone's been you know patting them on the back as they should they play but Illinois finished with 441 yards like that's enough to win a game most times especially the way they play so it's just it's it's one of those games where um, the, the numbers don't necessarily mesh with how good of a performance it was. Like Peyton Thorne's box score doesn't look that great, but I think in the conditions it was a pretty nice day yeah. for him. Um, as you said, Jalen Berger, you know, 15 for 81, that's, that's, that's good. Um, yeah. But I thought just the, the the toughness and the effort with which he ran, yes. you know, the, yes. the intent, you know, I thought was there. And when you mix that with, with, uh, with the offensive line playing the way they were, then, then you got something there that's just – we haven't had both those components, you know, uh, we haven't seen both of those link up together at the same time very often this year. I think he kind of goes as they go. You know, when you talk about teams that play up or down, I think he kind of runs up or down. If he feels the lot, the line playing, then he's going to play even better. You know, if he feels like it's a rough day for those guys, I think he sort of, he drops his level, you know, a little bit there. So uh, that was good. And and then, um, you know, a little more clock management, uh, snafu yeah, at the end yeah, there so yeah. they got to address that and that's kind of become a reputation for them now they're just gonna have to kind of wear that but uh didn't bite them this time i guess the only silver lining is that you know you hope that they can get all these 
kinks worked out now and kind of, you yeah. know, with all, you know, with all, and all that's just kind of a throwaway season. So it doesn't happen one year when you're, let's say, 9-1 and one in Columbus, you know, and you have a late-game tight clock situation. Uh, I guess that's, that's what you have to hope if you're a Michigan State fan is that they're just kind of working through it now and they'll, they'll be better for it in the long run. But uh, that wasn't great. But regardless, they go down there to get it done, and, and uh, I think that's, you know, it's going to be one of those building block games uh, for, the, for Mel Tucker. We heard the explanation from Mel Tucker, heard it after the game and heard it again on Monday, of what they were trying to do, and you can debate that uh, considering the field conditions, the wind, and the uh, unreliability of their kicking game with snaps that bounce back to the holder and and uh, kickers who aren't 100% confident at this point. Uh, maybe you don't want to kick a field goal, but, but I thought the, the problem was that they called a timeout with one second to go on the clock. That was good. And then they ran a play, and they had a timeouts, and then they did not call timeout. They let the clock expire instead of calling timeout with one second left. And then that backed them up five yards, which made a difficult field goal even tougher. And uh, next thing you know, uh, the scoring attempt goes by the board. And throwing the pass, you know, that, that gave a, a lot more time to Illinois to come down the field. And, frankly, I'm, I'm – thinking at that point, okay, well, they're going to score, and this effort's going to go right down the tubes and there'll be a ton of questions. But uh, the defense did bail them out. Now they're in position, Stephen, with two more games at home against teams at the bottom uh, of the Big Ten East. Talk about Rutgers this week and Indiana next week. And suddenly the bowl game, that opportunity that looked like uh, it was gone, is right there for the taking. Absolutely. So you want to see, I think, a mature, you know, follow-up performance to this, and just you want to see them keep their eye on the ball because that was that was really, you know, the, the big takeaway from the Illinois win is like now you're not going to end up going to um, Happy Valley with everything on the line, you know, at the end of the year like that. That pressure ideally should be gone. You lose one of these games, it's right back on. But like, yeah, just take care of business. Uh, beat teams you should beat. You're at home for both of them. Um, so just um, just figure it out and, and get it done there. You know, I think that's what everybody wants to see now. Even if the bowl game is going to be a, a sort of a nondescript thing or, or you know nothing to you know plaster all over the, the facility or anything like that. But uh, I think it's important. I think it's another like I said, a building blocks of culture, building blocks of, uh, of yeah. what this program still trying to be and everything. So to, to rebound the way they would have, I think you definitely. Uh, even if it's even if it's just a quick lane bowl over in Detroit or whatever, I think you take that um, and. Like I said, if you're, if you're Mel Tucker trying to build this thing and with uh, with some consistency in that culture element. I think Mel Tucker is, is very confident. In fact, uh, I know that he thought that they were going to sweep through November, and I don't know anyone else who thought that. When I first heard it, I said, so what? But, uh, no, that's his belief, and I just need to get some players back. But now, hey, you lose eight to suspension, including three starters on defense. And then they had a procession of players to the sideline. It seemed like every other play, a defensive yeah. lineman was limping off to the point that Brett Bielema, even after the game and, and uh, <laughs> talking about how you know, Michigan State never seen so many players injured, and, you know, they keep coming back in the game. Sounded like he wasn't very happy with the injuries, but I don't think Mel Tucker was very happy with the injuries either. 
Right, right, yeah. And, I mean, he, he should have realized probably that, like, most of them were guys who've been nicked up all year, too. It, it was a lot of recurring stuff uh, and guys, you know, who've been dealing with things or just got back from things or, or whatever. Right. But, yeah, so, yeah, and, I mean, that, that's why you tip your cap even more. Like, just the eight players alone obviously was going to be a big ask. And then you lose some of your best players, you know, some of, some of your best positions, you know, on the interior defensive line there, and uh, one of your most important, you know, groups uh, going against that offense. And sure. yeah, it's starting to get dicey real quick. So that's why I think, you know, it's, it's a culture affirming, culture building type of win. Um, and, and like I said, a sort of a nice, uh, for, if you're in Michigan State, it's a nice, you know, quick response of what people thought you were all about last week. And you can just sort of point and say, no, 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 this is actually what we're all about. We accept and, you know, we accept the responsibility for it happened. That's, that's no good. But, uh, don't remember us for that. Like, this is what we're actually trying to be about here. So I thought that was impressive. Um, and how about the, the jumbo D line? I mean, with four defensive tackles yeah. too, yeah. I gotta mention that yeah. that was pretty good and it worked, you know, I think it's kind of funny, like, cause I bet they wouldn't have done that. You know, if they had all their players, uh, either suspension and health wise, they probably would have right. tried something more traditional, but they sort of just stumbled right in their, you know, fell right in their laps and it, it ended up being a genius move there. So, uh, Scotty Hazelson is, is quietly, I don't I think quietly, you know, put together quite a few uh, solid performances here and, and done some new things. I think they were as diverse, not just the D-line, but all sorts of different formations and looks and players yeah. in different yeah. roles, different coverages. I think they were as diverse defensively as they've been this year in that game. Last year, Stephen, it seemed like Mel Tucker couldn't do anything wrong. Of course, when you have Kenneth Walker III to bail you out of jams, that, that happens sometimes, and coaches look really smart. Sometimes uh, $95 million smart. But for most of this season, people were asking the question, this is what we paid for? Is this what this program is going to be? But I think that that was uh, as well a coached game. And I don't just mean by Tucker. Uh, I thought the coordinators who had uh, made some very quizzical moves that didn't seem like they'd made many adjustments, didn't put their players in the best positions, at times this season, and uh, pushed all the right buttons. And to bring the team back from that, you know, it's funny, uh, Lou Holtz, uh, before he got to Notre Dame, uh, he was coach at uh, Arkansas. And he had a bowl game, and it looked like uh, his team was going to lose anyway. And then he had to send three guys home. And the line got ridiculous. It was like 21 points or something. And, of course, Arkansas goes out and beats Oklahoma and wins that game. And uh, the idea is that sometimes when you have your backs to the wall, you play better than anyone thought you could or maybe better than you even knew you could. And for Michigan State, maybe having these eight guys out uh, made everyone else closer together and more focused. I'm not saying that uh, coaches should just start suspending guys to start winning games. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But for Michigan State, for one game, it seemed to work. Yeah, and that's why, you know, um, I, I didn't, you know, give him much of a chance. It was just like, you know, you're, you're losing, you're, you're getting thin on defense there against that type of team that wants to wear you down, you know. And I was like, man, this, those are some key pieces. And it's just that the guys behind them hadn't played too much. But I agree. Right. I thought you know, outside of that last possession, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks there. But uh Outside of that, I thought the coaching staff did a really nice job getting these guys ready and, and uh, having a plan and, and instilling confidence in them. I mean, that is their job at the end of the day. So uh, heads off there. And like I said, you want to see a mature, uh, you know, I think that is the best way to put it, a mature follow-up this week. And, 
and not, um, you know, come out crisp, uh, execute well against Rutgers, and and just sort of handle business there. That's a team that it's kind of hard to square, honestly. They've gotten beaten down a lot lately. I think it's losing five of six. Then they played Michigan really tight in the first half last week, and then ended up getting you know boat race in the end there. So. Uh, yeah, like I said, just want to see them come out and, and um, have the exact same, you know, sort of uh, focus as a week ago uh, and just take care of business here and get that bowl game locked up. Stephen, uh, Michigan State opened as a double-digit favorite over the Scarlet Knights. That's a team that's given better Michigan State teams than this uh, a tough time, a scare uh, over the years, and actually beat Michigan State, I want to say, five times. I know I've seen four of them. Uh, but when you think about that team, it led Michigan at the half. And then Indiana, and Indiana played with Michigan for a half. But you could say Michigan State played with Michigan for a half, trailing 13-7 yeah. to seven and blowing uh, two fourth down opportunities and uh, another drive-killing penalty. And uh, so, you know, these teams can play for a half, you just can't play for four quarters. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, Michigan State, uh, you know, they're not in position to sort of, like I said, take anyone lightly or blow anyone out. I mean, they, they have to come play crisp, uh, you know, clean football, too. That was another thing. Not too many penalties out there uh, outside of the first pick. No other um, giveaways, I don't, I don't think, unless I'm misremembering that. So um, they're not in a position to just, you know, 11 points even. Like, I, I, I don't know if you just wow. mentioned that with the Rutgers game. Like, yeah. that seems like too much for me, uh, for Michigan State to be favored over anybody, you know, right now, to be honest. I think there's still going to be, when I say mature performance, I mean, it doesn't mean just come out and just uh, blow them out in the first half. It just means, like I said, clean, crisp, uh, focused, you know, an energy to it and whatnot, not a not a drowsiness or anything like that. So uh, I, it could still be it could still be some dicey moments, you know, in these next two, but I, I think uh, I, I expect Michigan State to win them. Um, I just think they, at the end of the day, especially being at home, uh, they'll be able to put enough plays together. But uh, that's that's yeah, that's what you want to see. And, and there's you know, just sort of finish off this late, late season push here. Stephen, the big story yesterday was out of Southern California, and I don't mean San Diego here, where Michigan State attorney uh, David D. Diamonds, representing one of the Michigan State players. I'm 90% sure I know who it is, but. I uh, haven't confirmed it yet, and he's not identifying the player. Uh, and his allegation is that uh, this is not at all what has been purported to be, and he has evidence, I don't know if it's visual evidence or just testimony, and uh, I don't know how much that would be believed, but nonetheless, uh, he is saying that it was instigated, and there were perpetrators here, and that at least uh, the guilt on this should be shared uh, what do you make of that? Uh, do you think the timing of it is good or bad for Michigan State? Yeah, that was that was uh, interesting <laughs> for anybody who's read the whole thing. It's a uh, it's a tale, uh, you know. It's it's, it's interesting. Um, look, my main takeaway from it was just that uh, we need to get to the bottom of what happened at the beginning, right? That's still the missing element. Yep. Is what set this all off? What was the spark? that, yep. you know, led to the trail of black powder that led to the explosion, you know. Uh, that's that's what everybody needs to know. And, you know, there's some, uh, I don't even know, is it innuendo, you know, is that what, you know, there's some suggestions in there of, of what happened and whatnot. So uh, maybe even stronger than suggestions, you know, but but 
yeah, we the, so now we have lawyers on each side, sort of posturing and barking a little bit. Yeah, uh, I just I'm not really interested in any of that uh, until we hear sort of from the middle, which would be the cops and the Big Ten. I think at this point, and just uh, and get something a little more um, a little more firm, you know, than, than biased parties representing yeah. uh, people, you know, trying to trying to do this or that through the legal process. So that's really my only thing is it just reinforces like what the heck started this, and then maybe we can unwind it from there. But right now we're on the outside, you know, we're still dealing with too many uh, sort of missing, foggy pieces, I think. Yeah. Uh, I do not have uh, undying faith in our criminal justice system, and especially, especially the judicial process, I think, is often distorted, and uh, those that have get. But I think that in this case, people will always wonder, they'll question, just as they did uh, with Spartan Bob, even though the Big Ten can have a frame by frame inquiry and absolve him, and everybody can do breakdowns and say, you know, this was the right thing, it, it had a bad look to it. And in this case, you have the Ann Arbor police, and that's not to say that they're dishonest or they're going to do something with their investigation that would be wrong, but there's an appearance here. And the Big Ten Conference, and a lot of people think the Big Ten Conference serves Michigan and Ohio State differently than it does other schools. Um, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that's the perception. So when these inquiries are finished, and if this is it, pending a, a trial, how do you think the public is going to react? If what, what do you mean? If, if we say this is it, then what? What, yeah. what would it be? Yeah, if the uh, reports come out and pretty much saying what we have seen from the videos and there's no other information, but uh, David D. Diamond sure thinks he's got other information. Yeah, well, I, I don't I mean, I guess I'll question the integrity of the investigation or what, what happened. I mean, that's their job. Somebody has to know. Somebody, there, there was a beginning somewhere, right? It didn't just begin when the cameras caught it. Like, you know, that's. That's their job as investigators and law enforcement and everybody else right. to, to get that hammered down. So, um, yeah, I get to the point about, uh, you know, the appearance of bias and everything and and whatnot. Um, and, you know, Tom Izzo spoke the other day about it and sort of, I think, I don't know if it was you asking, it might have been you asking about it. And he was just like, I'm sick of Michigan State always being the bad guy. So I get yeah. that element of it. Um, we'll just have to see. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're dealing, as I said, we're dealing with an incomplete picture here, an incomplete story. Uh, from Michigan State side, I think you have to tip your cap. They've done all they can to this point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what other information they have that, that we're not privy to on the outside yet, but, you know, they the are guy not shows up on video, guy got they are, basically. To, to you know, be very and, clear, this is not the Michigan State Athletic Department, the university, the coaches who are saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Our guys are getting railroaded. That None of that. So this is private counsel which has been retained by one of the suspended players, and he's defending his client. Right. Right, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand. And I'm just kind of trying to watch my words, reserve judgment, until we get the full picture, because I think the beginning, obviously, you know, is, is a very is going to end up being a key element in all this. And, and uh, right. that will, you know, the beginning will lead us to the end, if that makes any sense. It's a little sort of Zen poetry uh, deal for you here to, to end my segment, Jack. The beginning will lead to the end. How about that? Let's, right. let's sit and think on that before we all go to bed tonight. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just want to reiterate that I haven't heard uh, anyone in a position of authority at Michigan State, and maybe some fans who say, well, should have hit them harder. But uh, I don't think there's been anyone who has said what, uh, what happened there uh, should be excused, should be pardoned, and no. their actions uh, spoke accordingly. But I think a lot of people also came away with the impression that Tom Izzo wasn't the only one, that, uh, you know, here goes Michigan State again, getting dragged through the mud, and this was going to have a big impact in recruiting. Talked to a couple people who said, uh, nah, not so much. Uh, players have relationships with the coaches. Uh, they're pretty good at shutting out some of the noise with this. I'm sure this will be used uh, in a major way in recruiting against Michigan State. But as I think about uh, some of the buzz now, and this started – a week ago with Justin Finn talking about Dante Moore. And now uh, Sean Shearer has a crystal ball saying that uh, there's going to be a surprising flip and that uh, Dante Moore is going to be a Spartan. Uh, what does the win over Illinois do for recruiting? And what would a commitment from Dante Moore do for Michigan State's recruiting, especially in terms of, top receiver, Stephen, and maybe even a top offensive lineman. Yes, so the Illinois point, um, I think it just it's, it'll be about getting to that bowl game, you know, and it's, it's sort of far looking, right? In the moment, not much, I don't think, uh, but it'll be about you know, do you salvage the season? Do you play a better second half? Do you show some fight and some resilience as a program, as a coaching right. staff, you know, culture again? I bring that up. Is that all on display? And then, again, even if you're in a no-name bowl game in some far-flung location or whatever, or down the road in Detroit, whatever, some you know low-tier bowl game, uh, in the long run, when you add up the Mel Tucker you know, era and, and put it all together, that's, every little bit's going to help. You know, when you can say two straight bowls or when you can say uh, blah, right. blah, blah, you know, two and oh in bowl games, you know, it might not be the most glorious in the moment, but when you're trying to build a case and build a program, build a resume as a, as a young, you know, new-ish head coach, uh, you know that that, that all, all that stuff matters. So in that respect, you know, inching them toward the bowl game, and that'll be the payoff down the line. Because I think it might not be a massive one, but I do think there is a difference between you know six and six and uh, and uh, four and you know eight. You know, so there might not be a ton, but but I think there is one there recruiting wise. Uh, with Dante, you know, yeah. So when uh, Michigan State and Bo Edmondson parted ways, you know, that was. Uh, that was going to be their their deals. Like they they wanted to go all in on him, um, or at least make the hardest push they can. I guess I should say I shouldn't say all in, but uh, you know, in terms of an all or nothing thing. But they're they're going to make a big pusher, and they want that known, and then they're going to go after it. But I think at this stage, that's really all it is. You know, it, it seems to be more. Uh, the, I know the buzz is out there. It seems to be at this stage is all I'm saying. I'm not saying this won't change, but um, I think it's more of just you know Michigan State trying to will it into existence and. They're putting him on his, putting him on their wish list for sure. I don't know how much of a yeah. two-way street it is. I'm sure Dante is listening, and I'm sure there's communication going on. But how realistic is he? Is he looking over the edge, you know, to make that leap? I don't know if we're if we're there yet. I think it's much more one-sided at this point in terms of he's on right. Michigan State's wish list, and they're they're letting it be known uh, to him and everybody else that they're gonna, you know, go full board to try to get him. Well, it'll be fun to watch. I know some people who think that uh, Michigan State might have not have sealed the deal, certainly have flipped the script. And a lot depends, too, on what happens with Oregon and Dan Lanning. And, right. Uh, does he go to Auburn? Does he take that job? 
coaches now can move with one year, and it doesn't seem to bother them. They get fired after a year, though they can switch jobs with a year. And if the quarterback's coach, the guy who was so close to Dante Moore, goes with him, then uh, it kind of throws things up in the air again. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate all your insight on Michigan State football and basketball. And you can read Stephen's stuff, 24-7 Sports Spartan Tailgate Premium site. And, Stephen, we'll be waiting for you tomorrow. All right, sounds good. Uh, keep the beach and sunshine in good shape for me. I'll be out there. <laughs> we will be right back. And Mick McKay, son of Swami, the Detroit Free Press, is going to join us next. And we think Audrey Dahlgren will be with us at the end of the show. She's off the plane in time. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you, right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small-town thing, but it's big-time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two for $38 tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, They have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. 
Ebling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member Nick will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. You're listening to The Drive with Jack Epperman. Hello, guys. It's a game. It's a game out here I want to play in. SpotlightMediaStudios.com Welcome back. It is The Drive with Jack, Spotlight Radio Network. I am in San Diego, and Alex is back in studio, uh, babysitting me, taking care of all the things that I don't do. And uh, I want to go right back out to our guest line and welcome in Mick McCabe, son of Swami, author of Mick McCabe's Golden Yearbook, and you talk, what, 51, 52 years of high school playoffs now for you? Uh, Well, the playoffs didn't start till 75. Oh, that's right. But this is my 53rd year. Yeah. Uh, You're a pre-playoffs guy. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Actually, uh, you know, that's when I started coaching in Lapeer. So uh, I, I knew all about that. And, uh, you know, before that, everyone could say, well, we to beat that. Where, you know, you were the mythical champs. And then you actually had to prove it. And now five rounds of playoffs and we are through two of them. Uh, what surprised you and what has confirmed the thoughts that you had going in? Well, Caledonia coming back, we thought they were really good, and then they lost yep. in week nine to Rockford. I mean, they got – I mean, the coach said it was closer than you thought, but it looked like they got rocked. And then yep. they came back and beat Rockford in double overtime last week. Yep. And um, the one I was really concerned about was Dexter in Division Two, mm-hmm. because it was like three years ago. They just finished a 42-year – I mean, 42-game losing streak. And uh, here they are, and you know they're they're uh, in Division Two and in the regional finals. And um, we thought they were really going to be good, but they had no real playoff uh, experience. Uh, it's just been forever, um, so we weren't sure they were going to do that well. And here they are, and they should beat Midland and get to uh, the semifinals against East Lansing or Forest Hill Central, and they got a shot at winning the whole deal. Mick, there's some outstanding individual players in that region, and I think Dexter has a tight end, uh, Brennan Parachek. Yes, I've they seen do. I've a lot of video of him. He looks like he's a pretty good prospect. Yeah, they have Cole Cabana, their tailback, yes. who yes. has committed to Michigan, but I'd be surprised if he ends up as a tailback in Michigan. I think his best chance to really get on the field might be a slot receiver. But this tight end, man. And he's also a really good defensive end. He's one of the best players I've seen all year. I've seen him twice, and I really, 
really like him a lot. And that's a really good get for Michigan State. Well, Mick, I want to talk about another guy who you like, and a lot of people think he might be one of the best players in the country. And uh, a lot of quarterbacks around the state the next couple of years, uh, junior class, sophomore class. But uh, Dante Moore, he proved it out at the Elite 11, and I don't know anyone who said the guy can't play. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can't play basketball, except he did. You know, when he was a little kid, he played basketball. was pretty good. But I really like him a lot. I saw him again two weeks ago when they beat a really, really good River Rouge team. Uh-huh. In fact, we had Rouge ranked number one and King number two. Um, and yeah. they ended up in the, you know, they had lost some regular season games, and that's why they ended up where they did, playing each other instead of in the opposite ends of the district. And uh, Dante just was terrific, uh, just dropping passes in. I mean, the guys were covered, and he found a way to get them in there, and, and he ran when he had to, but not too often. And, and he, he really, really played well. I, I've always liked him, but. I just like him a little bit more every time I see him. We have talked several times previously about outstanding quarterbacks, and you do a great job in your book of taking us down memory lane. Uh, for my money, there's never been a more exciting player than Milda Thrill Coleman yes. uh, in the state of Michigan. But you get Drew Henson and all the things he could do. He was the natural. And then you get uh, Drew Stanton. And uh, you get Keith Nickel, and uh, then you get uh, Devin Gardner, and so many of these guys we have seen, and they're the real deal. There's no mistaking it. Would you put Dante in that class? Oh, absolutely, no question. And don't forget about a quarterback who led Holland Christian to its first uh, state playoff berth ever, <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I think he he belongs right up there. He's he's better than so many of the guys you mentioned. Uh, hmm. And he's he's really a team guy. I mean, he was being interviewed after the Rouge game on, with some cameraman, and he grabs a, uh, number 27, a sophomore, and pulls him into the picture and <laughs> tells him how well this kid played and how grateful he is that the kid played that well. And this kid is speechless, you know. You don't see stuff like that. So I think he's really a terrific leader, too. Sounds like a guy who understands what leadership is. Yes. And you were telling me a story earlier about his dad, and I think there's a work ethic that's instilled in so many of these guys. And yeah. uh, something with a, a $50 bill or something. Yeah, I mean, he, his dad does a lot of odd jobs and also has a grass-cutting thing, and so he helps him out whenever he can. And, uh, you know, the dad told me he just really doesn't take money. I, you know, he put a $50 uh, bill on his desk, and a week later it was still there. I mean, he, um, he's just, uh, you know, the ultimate team guy with the family. And uh, he's not worried about money or anything like that. And now with what uh, what he's going to get in uh, NIL from Oregon, I think he's going to be okay with money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think the going rate is for name, image, and likeness now? And uh, anything else, incidentals, for Dante Moore? Well, I think it's going to be thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. I'm, I'm, from what I understand, um, Imani Bates is is going to end up with about like a million dollars. 
for going to Eastern Michigan to play basketball. There's is he going to make more than Stan Heath? Oh yeah, oh yeah, a lot more. Mm-hmm. And well, that thing could be a disaster. Although Stan, like Stan, if anybody can get things under control, I think it's Stan. Um, yeah. But that's going to be a circus. Uh, but um, with Dante, um, you know, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah. Uh, what about other teams, Mick, that have impressed you that you'll be surprised if we're not watching them at Ford Field? Well, um, Warren De La Salle. Yeah. Uh, unless something happens to Brady Drogosh, their quarterback, um, they're, they're really good, and they have a defensive end, uh, from uh, from there, uh, Mason Moragan, uh, mm-hmm. who's committed to Illinois, and to, okay. to be honest with you, I don't know how he got out of the state of Michigan. Really? He's yeah. really he had a uh, like uh, an eight play um, over an eight play uh, series. He had like three sacks and three tackles for loss against Detroit Catholic Central. Hmm. So yeah, I think they're maybe the favorite of, of all favorites. Um, you know, Belleville, of course, is really good, even though their coach is suspended for allegedly uh, violating the undue influence rule. But <laughs> they could be better off without them. Um, uh, the Muskegon uh, Zealand West winner is, um, you know, then they could take on DeWitt and, you know, Mason and Trenton, and then the winner would take King. Um, I yeah. would be. I would think King will get there for sure. I yeah. think South Christian or Whitehall, Whitehall in Division Four. I like them. A what lot. can you tell us about Trenton? Because uh, I don't know anything about them. I haven't seen them. I have seen Mason three times. Yeah, and uh, the team's going to beat them. They're pretty good. But yeah. what do you know about Trenton? That uh, they're an old school team with an old school old school coach from Indiana. They like to pound the ball. They don't do a lot of things fancy, and I think that's why they're going to be in trouble against Mason. <laughs> this isn't uh, Jack Castagnola football, right? Uh, no, but in 1975, the first year of the state finals, of the state playoffs, I was with him when only four teams made in four classes made the state playoffs. And Kalamazoo Central made it by winning three to nothing over St. Joseph when they just just rocked um, uh, Riverview, a good Riverview team, uh, like by 60 points, and mm. didn't make the state playoffs. I think they would have been the division, the Class A state champ that year instead of Livonia Franklin. Do you think the playoff format will ever change to be an all-comers, or can't you do that in football? Well, you can do it. Um, what you do is you go back to eight games, and then the first uh, week nine, uh, what is week nine now, would be the first round of the state playoffs. Yeah. And there'd be some uh, buys involved and some teams that will opt out. Um, but every team is still guaranteed nine games, right? Right, exactly. Um, the problem is they these coaches say, well, it would make it easier to schedule. Well, the only way it would make it easier is you only need eight games instead of nine. But if you think that somebody is going to uh, – uh, schedule you if you're a really good team just because, hey, we're going to make the playoffs regardless. I mean, that's what common sense says. But there's no common sense with coaching. Some of these guys are such egomaniacs. All they care about is their one loss record, and the other ones say, well, 
we got to win to get home field advantage, which <laughs> is negligible in high right. school athletics, especially right. in football. Maybe in basketball there's a home court advantage, but in football, no, no, not at all. And so then they just don't want to lose games. So I don't know how that's going to help. And I know it, it will not happen next season. It's too late now for when the rep council will meet again and, and uh, vote on it. Uh, how so, long does that normally take? What, what is that process? Well, you know, it, um, the football committee, which is a lot of guys from the Michigan High School Football Coaches Association and some uh, people at the MHSA office, they would have to recommend it. And then the rep council will have to vote on it. And if the rep council isn't, vote, isn't going to meet for several months, um, then it's going to be too late. They have to make up. They would have to make a decision uh, by next month um, to if, to affect the change now, because there's, there, um, people are getting their schedules together for next season, and that includes, of course, a ninth date. And right now, there's a lot of uh, rivalries that are on uh, week nine. It's like Michigan Ohio State. Well, if right now, if they change it and week nine is the first round of the state playoffs, then they have to find a spot for that rivalry game. Mick, I just got a text from one of our regular listeners. says, big fan of Mick. When does he know uh, most of his all-state team? Do you know it now, or do you wait through the playoffs to make those determinations? Yeah, I um, I know nothing right now, which is <laughs> that's the way I was in high school too. I didn't know anything. I was in the third of my class that made the upper two thirds possible. Um, I was a moron. Uh, no, um, what we've done is you knew enough to find Joyce. That's that's step yes, one. My, yeah, well, she was a little Polish girl from uh, Toledo, <laughs> so and I I tricked her. Anyway, um, uh, what we do is we used to send out ballots every yeah. coach. Well, when COVID hit, the free press was getting its mail once a week mm. instead of every day. So it was impossible to do that. But the high school coaching association um, was great. Brad Bush and those guys about, uh, I wrote a letter mm-hmm. and they sent it to all their members of this is how you uh, make all state. Get your players nominated. Just email me, and this is what I want, and boom. And I've gone through about 150 of, of the ballots already, mm-hmm. and so I, uh, I I go through them, and then I put them, you know, by divisions, and then uh, beginning uh, the day after the semifinals, that Sunday before the state finals, I'll do two. Uh, uh, all state teams a day, eight and seven and six and five, and we're the only ones that pick eight, plus yeah. the dream team. And it's a lot of work, but so that last week, uh, and then I can change it too after the state finals if somebody, you know, if I discover somebody there. But there, it's it, normally it's finished um, by the time the state finals. Do you ever change it, or can you amend it if somebody goes crazy in a championship game? Yeah, if there's somebody I hadn't seen, then I do some research. You know, because I really there's a lot of guys I don't see. Most yeah. of them I don't yeah. see. We yeah. got nine weeks of the season. 
And I'm seeing one, maybe two games a week, and that's it. Yeah. And then the yeah. outstate, you know, how do I, how am I going to see them? But yeah, if there's somebody really surprises me, I'll look into them. And if I think a change needs to be made, I certainly do that for sure. Do coaches ever send you video? Yeah, and I don't say, watch it. I know you haven't seen this kid, but when you do, this is what you're going to see. Which one? Do do coaches ever send you video yes. trying to get? There are guys on knowing that you probably haven't seen him play. Right, uh, and uh, but I don't watch the videos. Okay. I don't watch any <laughs> highlight videos because I had a person I knew uh, put together a highlight uh, video of his kid, and he wound up with a Division One scholarship because of it, and the kid never played. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I tell these guys, um, you know, I learn more about your kid seeing the plays that aren't on the highlight tape. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, anybody – can look like a, an all-stater right. if you've got nine games and you pick out yeah. the best plays here and there. Yeah. So that's you know, I, it's like resumes. Yeah. I get a lot of people, you know, and they want help or they want me to help get them hired or something. And and I was like, I don't want to see your best work. Yeah. I would assume you can do some exceptional work. Otherwise, you wouldn't be where you are. Mm-hmm. I want to see what you're like on your bad day. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not asking for their. I want to see their bad games, but that's exactly. I want to. See, I'd rather watch a whole game, and you know, I, as opposed to a few plays here or there. Do you ever have a situation where, whether it's a personality conflict or discipline or just oversight, where a player you know is really good doesn't get nominated? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah, do you do? That happens every once in a while, and I'll try and figure out why. And, uh, you know, usually it's sometimes coaches, there's some coaches who just don't deal with it, don't deal with all state at all. Yeah. And so then it's up to me to try and find those guys. So, you know, we can get the wrong righted and, uh, you know, sometimes it works. Right. Right. Well, we mentioned Imani Bates earlier and it won't be long and we'll have basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, who are the players that people will be talking about at the end of the season in the Mr. Basketball conversation? Well, that's, you know, this is an unusual year in that there's not a lot of, well, there's a lot of really good players, mm-hmm. but there's no Imani Bates out there. Um, there's no Dane Fife. Yeah. Uh, or guys, uh, or Shane Battier, guys like that. Uh, no Jalen Roses. And um, uh, there's some really, really good players. Brother Rice has three of the best kids. Mm. Um, one's going to Louisville. One's going to uh, Glenn Blackwell's son, who I covered oh, okay. when he was at yeah, yeah. Highland Park. Yeah. He's going to Wisconsin, I believe, yeah. Mm. And uh, uh, someone else going to Toledo. There, there's. It's really too close to call right now Who's who would even be under consideration for Mr. Basketball. Right, right. Well, we should let him finish football first, I guess, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. I am not going to Portland for the PK-85 tournament, and I don't think I'm going to Penn State uh, for the last football game, so there's a really good chance that I will see you at Ford Field for the high school finals. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I always enjoy that, and to see if the teams from the west side ever lose a game. 
<laughs> well, if they're from Muskegon, they're not going to lose. <laughs> Mick McCabe, uh, son of Swami, and you can go online and you can figure out uh, how to get Mick McCabe's Golden Yearbook, and it is a perfect Christmas gift. And as I always say with the Blitz newsletter, it's a great way to win bets. And once someone starts telling you about something that happened, it really didn't happen except in their mind. <laughs> and uh, you can prove that to them, and you'll be eating lunch on them. Uh, Mick, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Anytime, Jake. It's fun. See ya. We will be right back, and the plan is to talk to Audrey Dahlgren from WLNS, and again this week, BTN, she is flying on the aircraft carrier. She's not flying on the carrier. She's leaving the carrier <laughs> and flying home on the red eye, as some of us are, uh, for a Michigan State game, but she's not going to be at that game. She's doing the Nebraska-Michigan game, doing sideline for BTN. So she'll have that opportunity, and you will see her there. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Hi, just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you. Right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small town thing, but it's big time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall or Spartan fans shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, they have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And 
we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Ebling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two-for-38-dollar tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. You're listening to The Drive with Jack Epperman. When I take those balls out, I don't want anyone rubbing them. You know, to me, they're perfect. SpotlightMediaStudios.com Welcome back. It is The Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. All of our Wednesday shows brought to you by Graf of Okemos, Graf Chevrolet, and Graf Nissan, side-by-side on West Grand River, 108 years in the automobile business. Obviously, Matt, Mark, and Greg, and they will take great care of you, as they have on all eight of my leases and purchases. We are in San Diego getting ready for the Armed Forces Classic. And Michigan State was here for the inaugural event. In 2011, that was the Spartans and North Carolina. Friday evening, that'll be Friday afternoon here, it'll be Michigan State and Gonzaga, and that is an ESPN telecast. It starts around 6.30, but there'll be some festivities here too, and uh, just so it doesn't go 12 overtimes and we can get on that red eye and get back to Lansing. We're hoping to talk with Audrey Dahlgren. Uh, do we have her on the line, Alex? Uh, not currently. I gave her a call. She did pick up, but she's in transit of, uh, like, picking up her bags and everything like that, and she's hoping to give us a call back in just a few minutes. If not, uh, maybe we'll catch up with her later this week. Okay. Well, you know, that's what happens when uh, you're a star. You know, you have bags. I just have what I put in my pocket and on my back, and that's, you know, basically it. But uh, actually, I did have... My uh, my small bag 
completely upended today uh, in Metro Airport. Never had this happen before. I've probably thrown, flown 500 times. Never had anything like this. And I uh, had to go through three rounds of security and then a strip search. And then, uh, you know, they had wands all over me and uh, checking everywhere you can check. And uh, I don't know who they thought I was, but apparently it was something in my deodorant. Not what I was wearing, but was in my travel case. And uh, fortunately, uh, you know, I'm always early, Alex. I was at the airport um, <laughs> almost two hours early, about an hour and 45 minutes. And uh, I needed that time because it was nearly an hour uh, to get from where you go through and you take your shoes off and you go through and, you know, you put your hands over your head and uh, you do that. And uh, that to get on the plane was uh, more of an ordeal than I bargained for. So, but nonetheless, uh, well worth it. Looking forward to everything that happens here. Trying to get a a dinner uh, recommendation from Steve Garvey. I figured, you know, he played here. He was, part of the Padres, the 1984 World Series team, he ought to be able to give me a dinner recommendation. So we'll see where that takes us. But uh, are you going to watch this basketball game, if if you can, uh, Friday night? Oh, yeah, the one on the carrier, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that obviously, Izzo's no stranger to some tough competition out of the gate, but it's been a while since the, the, the initial carrier game, and I thought that was really cool. I can't remember... Were there any complaints about surface or any, or any issues like that from being outdoors and being near the water? I, I can't remember because all I can remember dating back was just it being a, a really cool experience for all the players and coaches. So uh, hopefully uh, they get good weather again, and uh, it, it's a, it's another cool showing. You know, I think the players who missed a lot of shots <laughs> had complaints. They didn't like the, the surface and the background. The players who played well said it was great. Yeah. So. Definitely. No, that's just always Kinda. something that comes to mind when, you, when, you, when you're thinking outdoors. There's a reason why basketball is typically played indoors. I mean, you're playing on a slick, yeah. slick surface, so that's always something that I, uh, I think about. But hopefully uh, that's never an issue uh, throughout the game and we get a, a nice product. And Michigan State was uh, fortunate. Actually, two of the more memorable events in Spartan history, they got big breaks with the weather. Uh, one that the weather was uh, – clear enough, and the other one, that it was cold enough. Uh, first one was the Cold War hockey game. And if you remember the idea of playing that uh, outdoors in Spartan Stadium, now you see it all the time. They always have NHL games and some college games, and they play them in stadiums, but they hadn't really done that. And uh, this was a gamble. And I remember Mark Hollis two days before standing there just in feet in puddles. I said, are you having a hockey game or a swim meet? <laughs> and he didn't appreciate my sense of humor that day, but hey, they got a cold snap that night and the next night, and it was perfect with that 3-3 tie with uh, Michigan State and Michigan, Jimmy Slater, scoring the end of the game. Uh, otherwise, it would have been a Wolverines win, but it was it was a terrific night at Spartan Stadium and, and packed. And then, you know, you get the game on the carrier the first time, and a lot of people didn't realize that they have a backup plan, but 
it doesn't include everybody. You can't take something down, you know, to another deck mm-hmm. and play down there. You get everything set up. But they said, we can get this game in. And they did. It was good. And then we went, we did the interviews and came back and we're getting ready to write. And here comes the rain. So if that had happened one hour earlier, see, timing is everything, Alex. And yeah. once again, uh, we proved that. Were you part of Team Heward that was in Champaign? Uh, I was part of that, yes. Uh, uh, very, very fun experience, definitely. Uh, you're on a trek around the conference. What can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, so this uh, started uh, last year was the first time, but it was a couple years ago that we were pondering this idea because, I mean, my nephew, Miles, I don't know if listeners know about him, but he's uh, he's a very, very avid uh, football fan. Michigan State uh-huh. loves it all, so he's he's six right now. And uh, we came up with the idea last year that we're going to tour the entire Big Ten and, and uh, try to get to at least one game each year uh, leading up until he graduates, a uh, game out, outside, an away game for Michigan State in the Big Ten. Yeah. So first year was Purdue last year, so that was kind of a bummer. Uh, but, no, yeah. it was good, oh, to see, uh, good to see them get a win and a, and a big win for the program. Uh, so his record now is 500 in these games. Right? That's, that, that's correct, yeah. Okay. So uh, I can't remember what we have like next year. I think it's Indiana. But yeah, we're gonna be making our ways around. Maybe Minnesota. Is that what it is? Yeah, he uh, he's got the next uh, couple of years dialed in. But okay. Uh, okay. This, so this agreement though happened prior to the news that USC oh, yeah. and yeah. UCLA are gonna be joining yeah. the Big Ten. Yeah. So now Miles is real fired up about that. So he got a nice little add in for. Oh him. yeah. And uh, and there's talks that there could be more on the table. So uh, maybe my dad oh. might have bit, bit uh, a little bit more than he could chew, but we'll see. It'll be fun. Now, uh, the guy who's most excited about these trips, is this uh, your nephew, Miles? Is it your brother, Drew? <laughs> or is it your dad, Jeff Hewitt? Uh, I think publicly it would be Miles. He shows it the most. But I think deep down uh, his father, Drew, would probably be the guy that uh, yeah. that enjoyed He He, he was uh, pushing, you know, Miles to uh, get into the stadium an hour early and all that. He, he loves watching warm-ups. He still loves all that <laughs> stuff. So. No, yeah, it's definitely uh, a, a toss-up between the two, but uh, it's it's a good fun for everyone for sure. <laughs> Alex, uh, I ran into a, a guy and his son who had taken the summer and had seen a game at every major league park. Hmm. Uh, I commended him just for the scheduling of it, yeah, and they had kidding. a couple of rainouts they had to deal with too. So they had to come back on mm-hmm. off days, and but they got it done. They they saw a game in every. Major League Stadium, all 30 of them. That's wild. And afterward, I was talking to the, the kid, and he had a good time, and he kind of liked it. But, you know, he was like, yeah, my dad really wanted to do this. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that's a, as much of an issue with Miles. I mean, he's uh, he's very fired up about this stuff. He's already talking about next year's trip, and he's uh, he, he knows the ones that we're going to have to fly to. So that, I believe, yeah, you're right, though. Minnesota is next because next, uh, next year we're going to be on a plane. Uh, for the first time of this uh, this endeavor, so he's all fired up, uh, and I don't I don't think there's any convincing uh, that we need to be done to get him to out to these games. Okay, in terms of size and uh, early scouting skill set, is Miles more like his his dad? Uh, Drew is a pretty good athlete, or is he more like his uncle Alex? Uh, I would say he was probably a lot, a lot like his dad. I mean, his, his dad was a great athlete, uh, especially in the youth era time. So he he was uh, quite dominant at the at the youth stages. And Miles just had his first, uh, well, his second flag football season, and he 
he was quite the standout. Let's just put it that way. So, yeah, he's okay. he's, uh, he's 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 pretty, he's pretty solid, pretty quick. Uh, definitely a little little jitterbug out there. Not not the biggest kid. Definitely not the biggest kid. Uh, but he he's he's tough and he has a lot of heart, so he he enjoys it. Okay, well we'll be watching him on the camp scene, and uh, we'll let Mick McCabe know that uh, he can start scouting him. Uh, definitely, <laughs> Michigan State now uh, Saturday at noon against Rutgers team that led Michigan at the half, as we mentioned, with Stephen Brooks. Uh, how concerned are you that the Spartans will exhale and uh, get caught off guard against the Scarlet Knights? Oh, I don't think they'll exhale, get caught off guard. I mean, uh, obviously, they haven't. I mean, the last few games especially, they've they've showed that they've had some improvement. Getting the win in Illinois is uh, very encouraging. I think I feel a lot more confident about this game. Uh, after seeing what I saw in Champaign, but uh, I still don't think they've they've proven to be a team quite yet that uh, can mark any 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 game on the schedule as a W uh, in, until they play all uh, all 48 minutes. So uh, I, I'm not worried about them coming in and and getting surprised, but uh, I mean there's still still word word needs to get uh the 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 jury's still out on these guys in terms of if they can go in and uh, yeah. r- really uh, really uh, convincingly win a game. You know, Alex, uh, Mel Tucker is in position. It's going to happen unless somehow, and there's like a 2% chance that Minnesota could be the Big Ten West representative. Unless that happens, Mel Tucker in his three years will not have been beaten by the West champ. Yeah. So some people have said, well, why don't you just move Something to the West? said there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. But uh, there's also uh, kind of an odd but true here involving – the Fighting Illini, and uh, you saw them play probably their worst game of the year, but they have an excellent chance, excellent chance still, to be playing in Indianapolis and be the first team to do that without beating a cross-division opponent, be 0-3 against Indiana, Michigan State, and likely Michigan on the 19th. And then if they wind up against a rematch with Michigan or Ohio State, it's very possible that Illinois could be a ranked team, could be a Big Ten championship game participant, and be 0-4 against the East. Yeah. What, so what does that tell you? I think, I think it's starting to tell me that the, 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 the East-West yeah. Yeah. thing, it's time for it to go. I mean, I, it was great. I get it. You know, geography of it makes sense scheduling wise and all of that but I, I think it's time to get back to i mean either shaking it up evenly and i don't know how yeah. you would do that well uh, they tried that with the old legends yeah, and leaders and, and that, that? yeah and that, that and you can't predict the future with that either so right uh i don't know especially if they're going to be expanding to whatever it could get to 16 talks of 16 or 18 or things like that you're not going to be able to get ha- the one side of your division in in the season anyway so if it gets that large, I mean, I, I think it's just time to to be the Big Ten and just the Big Ten because this East West stuff is is getting a little ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it was 1987, and I, I always say that the thing I did best in 25 years in, in uh, print journalism was spend the Lansing State Journal's money, <laughs> and I delighted in doing that. And at one point, uh, after Michigan State had clinched the Big Ten title with that next-to-last game win over Indiana, the question was, who would they play in the Rose Bowl? And they'd already played USC on Labor Day, but it looked like they were going to play UCLA. So 
of course, I start negotiating and trying to convince everybody that, you know, Michigan State is going to be playing the winner of the USC-UCLA game. The Michigan State game at Wisconsin means absolutely nothing. I don't want to go up to Madison the end of November. I want to go out to Southern California. <laughs> so I managed to convince them that I could go out there and get all this exclusive stuff and uh, put us ahead of the competition and, uh, you know, we would have a head start on everything. And this was such an unusual event. First Rose Bowl in 22 years. We had to kill this. And, uh, you know, got some pretty good flights and everything had worked out. So, anyway, I finally convinced them. And then Steve Grinzel, because I don't want to do this alone, you know, I'm driving L.A. traffic and all that stuff. So then he went to his bosses at Live and he said, look, Ebling's going to do this. He can't have all this stuff. we got to go with them, you know. Leverage each so, other, yeah. Yeah, so of course we did. We went out there, and we had the time of our life for about four days. And we did all these interviews with UCLA, Troy Aikman and company. And then USC wins on a disputed touchdown from Rodney Pete that would have been overturned today. It's a bad call at the back of the end zone. Mm. And so all of our UCLA interviews we did right in the toilet. And we went back and uh, got some some more USC stuff after the game, some fresh stuff. So, uh, yeah, but that was a blast. And did I ever tell you the story about uh, the comedy club? Uh, I don't believe so, no. Okay, so it's the night before the game, right? And all of our work is done. We're we're finished. And it's, you know, it's like 10 o'clock, which is 1 o'clock in the morning, but that's prime time for me, so... We're walking up and down Sunset Strip, and uh, I see a comedy club there. And I said to Grins, hey, you know, let's go do this. It's be fun. We could do that. You know, who knows what we're going to see? And, yeah, I don't want to do that. Come on, come on, let's do it. So convince them. So we walk up there, and they got a cage outside. Or they sell the not a great neighborhood. And then it, the woman says, I'm sorry. All we have is right at the foot of the stage, stage side. I'm dumb. I said, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we'll take those. So we walk in, and the show has just started. Okay, The first thing you, you never do to a comic is walk in in the middle of his set. Yeah. Right? Oh, so yeah. we did, and sit down, and this guy just takes off on us. <laughs> and he is making us the butt of every joke and the ridicule. And, and Steve, you know, he, he was talking about his bulging eyeballs, and he's calling him Marty Feldman. And he was, he was really <laughs> abusive, right? Yeah. And profane like i had never heard anybody with that much profanity yeah and so we're not sure who this guy was right i mean there's nobody we'd ever heard of find out later it's andrew dice clay hmm. uh famous insult comic and you know is uh <laughs> back in his uh, early days obscenity written yes yeah. yes and uh, so we saw him uh just as he was perfecting his craft there you go and he perfected it on us there you go you were at you were direct subject matter. That's funny. Yeah, and I always felt good to know that we had a hand in his career. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but, I should write uh, you a thank you card at some point, maybe. Yeah, you know, forget that performance. Give us tickets now. We'll go out and see him <laughs> in Vegas or something. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. You know who else is going to be here uh, this weekend? Who's I didn't that? know until this afternoon. Chase Michelson. Oh no, kidding. Yeah from the Westgate Casino, and he's going to be with us tomorrow, actually, and then he's leaving. 
coming out here, and uh, he's going to spend all Friday at the racetrack. Oh, there you go. Delmar, and then uh, I think he's going to try to get on the boat. I don't know how he's going to do it. I'm pretend he's a fish. Something that somehow he's going to try to get on this boat. How many tickets? Some... How many tickets and seats or or whatever is there available to the very, public? Very, 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 very exclusive. Very few. Because yeah. you know it's it's uh, temporary seating. Mm-hmm. That's why, because I remember the 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 first carrier game. There wasn't, I mean, more than a, you know, a small high school gym. It seemed like about yeah. the size of the crowd. Well, there were a few more seats than that, but the thing is, they got all these uh, servicemen. Yeah, and women. Most of the seats are already taken. Uh, yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? They've been waiting for this for a mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, uh, you know, if you wanted to cut their rations or you want to, you know, make them do more five o'clock mess duty. That's one thing, but don't take away their basketball. Team. Exactly, exactly. No, so I mean, will, and, and ultimately, that's who this is for. So, I mean, it all, right. it, it makes sense. Right. But I just that's just curious to uh, to how how tough is it for that public ticket? Because I'm sure there's a handful that that yeah. were. Uh, I don't know. I'm curious to know what that was going for. But yeah, interesting. It's tough for public tickets. It's tough even for private tickets. Yeah. Normally, there are people who. You know, they have a little extra clout. They can make a call, and uh, next thing you know, they're on a plane, they're on, they're somewhere that you wouldn't think be. Mm-hmm. But not here. Yeah. In fact, the media, uh, originally, I want to say it was six per school. Now I think it's, maybe it's expanded a little bit, or Gonzaga is only bringing four. Maybe that helps Stephen Brooks get in at the mm-hmm. end. I don't know. But there are not going to be many people outside of the uh, armed forces yeah. who are going to see this. And also, Alex, the first time, everything changed when Barack Obama said, I want to go. Yeah. Because now you've got that, yeah. Secret Service. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was so uh, tight that... We had to take our computers over. First thing in the morning, we didn't have access to them for eight hours. Wow. Now, uh, Joe Biden is not coming. So I don't think we're going to have that <laughs> issue. Yeah, but, that's uh, not, uh, not too surprising. Uh, no, no. But for, uh, for Barack, that was something that, that, you know, he delighted in doing. I, mm-hmm. People have said... You know, maybe uh, maybe he'd want to be a Supreme Court justice. You know, good luck getting that through. But people have always said, what would he like to do? I know what he'd like to do. He'd like to be the commissioner of the NBA. Yeah. And, uh, you know, right now they got about four guys in front of him who would, uh, you know, lay down in front of the anybody to, to keep that job. So, But I want to thank uh, all of our guests today who are here. How about Stephen Brooks? 24-7 Sports, Spartan Tailgate Premium Site. Uh, he'll be here tomorrow night, so we'll get ready for that. And Mick McCabe, son of Swami from the Detroit Free Press. Great talking with him about the playoffs. And Audrey is here. We just haven't talked to her yet. Maybe we'll take care of that tomorrow. All right, everyone. Have a great night. Uh, we're off to check out San Diego, and we'll be back with you tomorrow.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.